With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So tonight what we're going to be talking about is going to be called Truth is the New Hate Speech. Truth is the New Hate Speech. And why I'm going here, and I think the Lord was showing this to me, is, you know, there's a funny thing about the truth. The truth itself, although at times may not be easy to hear, it's very plain. And I realized that not everybody wants to receive truth. And, and, I, and I don't know if it's just the way we made or is it has something to do with our willingness to either receive what, what is true or not true, but... Truth itself is very plain. You know, when you deal with lies, people will say things like, you know, you got to tell one lie to make up another lie, or you may have to try and down some of the things you feel or believe just to accommodate another person's feelings. Sometimes you lie to save your own skin. But the whole thing is, is about the truth. When, when someone is confronted with it or someone is ready to tell it, there's just always this thing of, you know what, I think you better sit down. So it's always something about truth that's very confrontational. All of truth is confrontational. Truth is courageous. It takes a lot of guts to tell the truth, to just say, you know what? I couldn't lie to get myself out of the situation, but you know what? I got to tell you this. So I always admire the truth. And even when you look at Jesus Christ and the things that he did and the places that he went and the opposition that he faced and those that he spoke to, he was always about the truth. But the funny thing about him is not everybody could receive it. And, you know, there were times he said some things that were just, man, slam right into you, tell you the truth. And then there were some other things that he was kind of using examples and parables that people might receive it. The one thing Jesus did not do is hold back the truth. And that's just something that, you know, I admire about him. If we're Christians, we ought to be that same way. How can you not have the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth, and be subjected to lies and not even want to hear the truth? There is something wrong with that altogether. If we're going to be truthful, then we've got to have the truth in us and outside of us. It's got to be our everything that, you know what, I don't care how I feel, tell me the truth. That's one thing I always respected about Pastor Price, man, when I thought I was saved. I remember back in the day when he was doing videos in his home, man, and I tuned into him and he said, man, you think you saved living like a sinner, doing all this stuff? Man, that cut me deep because I thought I was in some new knowledge. I thought I had learned all the ways of the Lord. And I thought, hey, um, what is that? Uh, John 3, 16. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. So I figured, well, yeah, I believe. But you see, my lifestyle reflected the fact that I did not. If I had believed, I would have believed what he said and not have been offended. But I was very offended. But something in the Holy Ghost said, Derek, keep tuning in. 
And I remember I used to tune in every week just to get angry. And then there came a point where it was just like, you know what? This is true. I've got to accept it. I've got to embrace it. If I truly want to be a Christian and desire to change, then it's going to take those peaceable fruit being grown, learning the ways of God. You see, the truth is not really all that hard to hear. The problem is we've been spending too much time with the devil. And what is the devil known as? The father of lies. So when you become a part of him before you're born again, and you begin to live his lifestyle, then you begin to be made in his image, in his likeness. So then when the truth has come, when someone wants to shine that bright LED light in your face, man, you're, you know, that's rude, man. Get that thing out of my face. But what are they doing? They're just exposing light on your darkness. The darkness that's been kept from us or the light that's been kept from us for so long is finally shining in your face in the person of Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. And it takes that to understand, hey, man, my eyes have got to adjust to this light. I've got to learn to walk in this light. I've got to grow that I may bear that light, that I may become a witness for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what this is really about. And that's all the truth is. But one thing I have found out through my own experience in preaching the gospel or just talking about any truth, really, it doesn't even have to be the gospel. It could be the fact that the Illuminati controls Hollywood. You want to see people get mad? People will get mad because what you're doing is you're, you're, you know, you're killing people's dreams. You're killing people's reality. They thought of the world to be one way, but you know it to be an exact other way. So what happens? People will get mad at you. But truth is evil in a wicked society. When a society is wicked, it cannot bear the light. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, because there are so many things that the devil is doing to try and shut your mouth and mind. There are so many lies that the devil is telling just to try and keep you and I from looking at the truth. You see a man unshaven with hairy arms, manly legs, and he's in a wig and a dress with leggings and high heels. And you want me to believe that that's a woman because he's called himself that. I mean, Adam's apple sticking out of his throat. You know what I mean? And I mean, you can see his crotch if you look good enough. And you're telling me that this is a, this is a woman. But you see, there is someone in the person of the devil that's trying to get you and I to put away the truth. And when you and I have put away the truth in a dark and wicked society such as this, what have we left? You won't know right from wrong. You won't know to go in or come out. And that is exactly what we're looking at today. Everybody is, is looking at things according to their what is right in their own sight. And when you've got that, you've got dark light. So we're going to hear a clip of Pastor Price today. We're also going to uh, share a couple of articles, but we're going to get right into this lesson about truth is the new hate speech. Whoever thought that we would come to a time as this, that you can't even tell the truth without getting in trouble. Man, thank you, Jesus. So let's pray. And uh, okay, uh, Sister Tara, uh, Coach P., Sister Naima, Brother Cord, you know, Sister Sarah's here, Sister LaToya. Uh, welcome, guys. Good to see you. Hope all is well. So let's pray, guys, and let's get right into this lesson. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for another day not promised to us. 
And we just ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions. And those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, we just thank you for this time, Lord, that you've given my brothers and sisters both near and far, that we may be fellowshipping together, Lord, that we may be partakers of your word, that we may be edified by your spirit, that we may choose life and not death. And I just pray, Lord, let no man's heart be hurt in his teaching. We pray, Lord, let no flesh be glorified, but we pray for the comforter. We pray for the Holy Ghost. We pray, Lord God, my God, tonight that you speak. And we just pray, Lord, that you say everything that needs to be said. We ask, Lord, that you be that shining light that cuts through the darkness of the heart, the darkness of the mind, and the darkness of all understanding, that you may show your people, Lord, what is the right way. But we know, Lord, without holiness, that we will never see you. So we just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you open the eyes, open the minds, open the heart, open the ear to receive your truth, Lord, that it may not be foreign to us, that we may be able to digest it, that we may grow those peaceable fruit. So I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, and deception, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you bind the devil, that you keep him at bay, that you cast him out like the dog that he is, that your people may get the victory in you this day. For you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get right into this lesson. I want to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we are going to begin at verse 1. Matthew chapter 5 and 1. Man, if you knew how many lies were in this world, man, things that you and I were indoctrinated to believe, you would never believe anything that they ever say again. Welcome, Sister Tanisha. Hope all is well. All right, so let's get right into this lesson. Matthew 5, guys, look at verse 1, and it says, And seeing the multitudes, he who is Jesus went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they, uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now we know that this is true. Just to show you how lies themselves keep people from obtaining what God has for his people. We know that the Bible says that um, we will seek, if we seek the Lord with all our hearts, or when we seek him, we will find him if we seek him with all our heart and our soul. But what you find with a lot of people is in this thing, when it comes to being a Christian, they don't want to give God that. 
They don't, they believe that they can, you know, reap the benefits of all that God has for them. And, but they won't choose to go as far as to giving the Lord all. If the Lord says it, then he will do it. So you must be pure in heart to see God. But a lot of people have been convinced through indoctrination and false gospel, false doctrine. Give God a little time. Don't worry about it. Do as you do. Don't you change because God loves you how you are. And God's going to give you everything that you want. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't even find it in the Bible. This is a, one of the reasons why many Christians will fall short of God's glory, which we all do. And we've got to grow and learn how to get there. But you'll find that a lot of people want what God says, but they won't obey him. Like, I'll give you another example. You know, the one in 1 John or, or John chapter 7 and 38, where it says, those who believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, a lot of people will want the living water, but they won't understand what Jesus said. He says, if you believe on him, not as you want to believe, not as you were told, but as the scriptures have said, that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So if you really want the living water, you want the things that God wants to give us, you've got to believe on Jesus as the scriptures have said. Now, someone not willing to want to really follow the Lord or to get there, they'll tell you, man, you're taking this thing way too serious. But someone that is seeking the truth will say, you know what, Lord, if that's what it takes, give me what I need that I may get there, that I may have a relationship with you that time that out of my belly may flow rivers of living water. Don't get discouraged by God's word. Don't look at this as if it can never be done. Don't look at this as if it is too hard. Our Lord is an ever-present help in our time of need. If we ask, seek, and knock, it shall be given unto us. We've got to believe that because a lot of lies are surrounding doctrines like these. Oh, God understands your heart. He sure does. That's why he tells you to seek him with a pure heart. So look at verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. But you know, remember one day, just to give you an example how people live in lives. One day, Sister Sarah and I were doing security. We got called because we heard that there was a theft in one of these stores. So we go to the store and we're there as security, you know, standing there watching, making sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be. A woman with two of her friends, I mean, a big, big woman, turned around, looked at us and said, you know what? The devil is always busy. And I said, you know what? He sure is. They were stealing and they had clothes in their bag and all this stuff, but they said that the devil is always busy. That's someone that's living in lies. They don't believe that if you're a peacemaker, you'll be a child of God. They think they can do whatever they want to do and still stand behind the promises of God. These are the lies that some people believe. I don't have to be righteous and I can still reap the benefits of having God. Good luck with that one. Look at verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, but theirs is the kingdom of God. So if you guys look there, he says that those people that are persecuted for righteousness sake, they are blessed and they will see the kingdom of God. 
that's something that we've got to look at as Christians because as tonight's teaching is called, you know, truth being the new hate speech, you know, Christians who truly believe always find themselves in trouble. You know why? Because they are a shining light in a wicked society. What they come to do is, you know, to instill justice, to preach Christ, to tell people, man, hey, the way you treat your wife is wrong, man. This is what the Bible says. Hey, man, no homosexual will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, you can't be doing all this stuff and expect this and that. So we're always in the thick of it. We're always the ones, well, the Bible said, but the Lord said, but Jesus said. And we get under people's skin. You know why? Because they like what they do. But it makes clear here that we will be blessed if we are persecuted for righteousness sake. How many of us are willing to say, you know what, Lord, even though I know it may cost me, let me represent you for righteousness. There's a price to pay for righteousness in this world. And I don't mean, you know, going to jail and all. Yeah, that may come. But the point I'm making is even losing a good friend to the truth. There were many friends of ours that we had in our lives that we had to part with. They weren't going to serve the Lord. They didn't want him. There are family members of ours that we still pray for and desire to be saved. But our relationship with them is nowhere near as close as it was before we got saved. Those are things that we pray for. We ask God to save them and do what we have to do. But you see, these things are a type of persecution for righteousness sake. You're going to be treated like a black sheep, like an outcast. It's not because you're bad. It's because these people don't see the light, which is in Christ. Look at verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. You hear that? Look at the word revile. To reproach, upbraid, revile, of deserved reproach or undeserved reproach to revile, to upbraid, to cast favors of favors received in one's teeth. So in other words, man, these people can't stand you. You know, they chide you, they taunt you. They hate the fact that you live the life that you live. He's making clear here, blessed are they when men will revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Jesus didn't lie to the people. Jesus told the people, hey, for my name's sake, some people are gonna outright hate you. Why? Because these people have not been exposed to the light. They have yet to be born again and adopt a new life of Christ. So these things are going to happen where people will hate you. Everybody's not going to hate you. Some people will receive you. Some people will say, thank you for telling me. Now I see where my life is. Now I know that I need to change. And you know what the Lord does? He makes you stronger. He even shows you, hey, if I make you full or complete in me, you don't need the approval of the world or for somebody to pat you on your head and tell them that you did good. Hey, you're going to go forward with the Lord, believing him, regardless of what anyone says about you. Man, that's a glorious thing because, you know, it is that desire to not be rejected. When we were in the world, that's what made us the sinners we are. We knew when we were fornicating before we were married, we knew, hey, man, this is wrong. But I don't want to be square. I don't want to be that guy that tells people I didn't get any. I don't want to be that girl that is old fashioned, that's waiting till marriage. So what do we do? We caved into pressure. And then before you know it, 
we're just like the world. So you see, it's that desiring to be seen of people and be accepted of people is what led people into gangs, led people into drugs and alcohol, led people into all sorts of sin because they have never learned to stand up and say, no, that is not me. Well, thank God for Jesus Christ that he empowers you and I to live that life, to be strong enough to walk with him because he is the only one who is righteous and he is the only one that can take you where you want to go. He makes you whole. That's the, that's the difference between Jesus and everything else. Some things may give you knowledge. Some things may give you some understanding, but Jesus changes your very nature and makes you whole from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, look at verse uh, 12, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So you see, it's a lot to walk as a Christian. This is a gradual pace that we go through, but you gotta understand the way that you are hated, the way that people don't wanna receive you, it's the same way that they treated our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself. It's the same way the prophets were treated. It's the same way the apostles were treated. So if you're gonna be a part of the family of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to deal with people hating us. I mean, you know, but like I said, some people will only hate you for a while until they come to that reality. You know what? He's telling me the truth and I need to change. So, you know, there are some people you don't give up on, you pray for, you talk to, and God will save souls. Win your first soul to Christ and watch what it does to you, how you desire to go out there and fish some more. It's just like you could be a terrible fisherman, but you pull up one little fish, man, I'm reeling it back in and I'm gonna go more fishing because you know now that it can be done. Yeah. But it's a beautiful thing to win people to the light that is in Jesus Christ. So he says, look at verse 14. Uh, am I there? 13. I'm at verse 13. He says, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? He says, it is thenceforth, or hen, thenceforth, sorry, good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. So he calls us the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It's a preservative, but it also gives flavor. So you see, salt itself should have flavor to it. If we are the salt of the earth, then we should be standing for Jesus Christ. We should be desiring to preserve the word of Jesus Christ, his lineage, all that he stood for, the reason he saved you and gave you salvation. But we should have a little flavor on it, meaning that, you know, we shouldn't be bland. We shouldn't be compromised. We shouldn't be fearful. If we're going to be that salt, then we're just going to add flavor to Jesus Christ. We're going to preserve what he calls us to so that it won't go bad because he says, if we can't salt, or we can't be the salt, we are good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. This is where you see much of the church today. This is why everybody's laughing at the Christian. This is why people are calling us crazy and strange and we fight for all these crazy things and nobody believes that anymore because many of us are not being the salt of the earth. We care what people think about us. We still care about being accepted. We don't, you know, we like to hold on to things 
that we feel we would lose if we represent Jesus. And because of that, the devil is walking all over the church. He's not gonna win this, but this is the current state that we're dealing with. The Christian has become the laughing stock of the 21st century. But wait till God does what he needs to do with us. Look at verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A, a, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, so this thing is all about Jesus Christ. This is all about the Lord getting the glory. This is about the Lord looking for men and women who wanna be full of the spirit that can represent him and shine light on the glory of Jesus Christ. We should all be a living testimony for everything that we were and what the Lord has taken out of our lives to make us right. We should never be ashamed of the testimony that the Lord has given us. You know why? Because you are a living witness to the glory of God and all that he can do. But a lot of the times people will, I'm not religious or nothing. Yeah, man, but you, you, I ain't religious either, but you need to tell people what this is about. But some people are ashamed of Jesus Christ and they're not gonna tell them. So what do they do? They take the light that he's given them and they put it under a bushel. Don't want anybody to see it because they themselves don't wanna be identified with the Lord. You see, and that's a problem because if we're gonna be what he calls us to be, then we need to be locked away somewhere, praying and fasting, spending time with the Lord, reading his word, that our lights may shine bright. That's what this is about. Dying out to self, becoming alive to Christ, that you can represent him. That's what this whole thing is about. But if you care about only your life and what's in it for you and how you'll be perceived and received, then you're gonna take the light that the Lord has given you and put it under a bushel. And I'm telling you, man, there was a time that presidents themselves and these guys, they couldn't say some of that stuff they're saying now because those presidents and those politicians used to worry about what that man in the pulpit said. Because if he said something that was ungodly or against the Bible, man, they would be up at the White House with picket signs outside or telling people, don't you vote for this president again. Not like your votes mean anything anyway, but they would make it clear, don't you go there and don't you represent them. Okay, I want you out of that. Don't you buy those records. Don't you get involved in this. There was a true time in this world when the church had power. When the church had that kind of power, they were the light and salt of the earth. But now that people have become ashamed to identify themselves with Jesus Christ, now you've got the church being trodden over by the foot of men. Leonard Ravenhill says, man, he's embarrassed to be a part of the church of Jesus today because he believes it's an embarrassment to a holy God. I mean, and this is true. You know, I'm not trying to hurt feelings here. This is the truth. We need to get to a place of being full of Christ that we may represent him, that he may get the glory. Because me, I don't care if I get fired. I know what I'm saying on here is going to eventually cost me. I know when it comes, oh, Mr. Hallett, did you say that homosexuality, homosexuality is wrong? Yep, I said it. 
and I'm here on tape. What do you want me to do? I'm here to represent Christ. I'm not living for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm well aware of where I'm headed because this is not my home. I'm passing through. I'm here to get a job done. I'm here to touch as many lives as I can with the gospel. And eventually I'm going home to glory if I stay in Christ. That's my concern. Do you think I care about telling the truth? Not anymore. There was a time I was hesitant. There were times that I would, oh man, if I say that. I remember Sister Christina said at the first teaching that we ever did about homosexuality. I remember that day, her and her brother Vinny, they sat right there. And I remember saying, um, well, tonight, guys, it's going to be the days of Lot. And then I turned to them and said, you guys know what it's about, right? You know, because I was trying to warm them up that it had something to do with speaking about homosexuality. Now, man, you can put me in any room anywhere and I'm going to preach the word. Why? It's not about me. It's about Christ. It's not about hate. I don't hate homosexuals. I love homosexuals is why I want them to be saved. I want them to repent of their ways, just like I had to repent of my ways, that Jesus Christ may use them, live in them, and save their souls from hell. That's what it's about. But if I'm, a, if I'm worried about telling them it's a sin and worrying about me, then I don't love them. I love me. I hate them because I want to show them, oh, well, I'll, I'll give you a cake and you know, I'll invite you to a party. I'll have lunch with you. I ain't going to preach Jesus to you. That's hate. You know, because even if I do give them all those things, guess where they're going if they don't know the Lord? But you see, this whole agenda is turning things around, making it look like we hate people. Christians are just preaching hate. They just won't leave people alone. Well, I want to say to those people, if you're on a highway, just standing there, all right, with your headphones on, not even knowing that there's a big truck coming down the road 80 miles an hour, and it's about to slam into you and kill you. Now, if I intervene and I say, hey, man, get off the highway, there's a truck coming, that's me intervening for love that they may be saved. But if I say, well, it looks like he's having a good time with his music, and, you know, I mean, I don't want to scare him and offend him, so, you know, I'll just show him love and let him get hit by a truck. Did I really love him? No. You know, sometimes you got to preach hard. Sometimes you got to preach loud. Sometimes you can just preach soft and tell people that you love them. But what we must do is tell people the truth because we are the only hope that the world has. If the Christian doesn't believe Christ, then give the world a break for not believing in Jesus Christ. Right. We've got to get to the place of believing, trusting him, and going forward and doing what he tells us to do, because if we don't, we cannot be the light or salt of the earth. Let's go to John 1, John chapter 1. That's why anytime God does anything before he makes a big move, the first thing he will do is purge his church. Once he's got his body together, then he's going to make a move. He had to purify every prophet, every disciple, every apostle that ever represented him. Why? So that way they wouldn't be compromised preaching the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. John 1, guys, let's look at verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So when we look at Jesus Christ here, guys, this is making very clear that without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. I mean, nothing exists today that wasn't made by him. If we understand that Jesus Christ is the potter, and we understand that he knows us better than anyone else knows us, then you know that you have to come to him to be made right. When he tells us to not do things, he's telling you that for your own good. If you made something, then you know how it works. You know what it should have, and you know what it doesn't. So all things were made by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. Look at verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So as you, as you can see, men were in darkness up to this point. Jesus Christ came to bring life. You and I were subject to death with no solution at hand, nothing. We were, we were just gonna live and go back to dust and go to hell. Jesus Christ brought life, he brought eternal life. And it says that life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You see that? As the light began to shine in darkness, darkness could not understand the light. That's what's going on with many people today when you tell them about the gospel. It seems foreign that a woman should be married before sex or a man. It seems foreign today that homosexuality is a sin because you're seeing it everywhere. But you see, if everyone does what is right in their own sight, I tell homosexuals this, because you know homosexuals will separate themselves from pedophiles. They'll say, well, that ain't right. Uh-uh, I don't stand for that. And I'm like, whoa, man, hold up, wait a minute. The Lord Jesus Christ is telling you that you're not right. So it's just, if you feel that you've got a right, to live how you wanna live and do what you wanna do, then the pedophile has the same argument. The murderer and the fornicator has the same argument. They can say, I choose to stay this way and why don't you respect me? So don't get mad when rapists get off scot-free. Don't get mad when every murderer is let out of the prison house to do what he does. Our God is a righteous judge. He punishes evil and he cleans up all unrighteousness because he wants us all to abide by his word that we may be changed and become transformed. But if everyone does what is right in their own sight, you're not gonna see light, you're gonna see chaos. And that's much of what you're looking at today. Yes, Sarah. And it's like, you know, cause I, I've spoken to people about that before. And, and I say to them, it's like, well, where do you draw the line? On that kind of moralism, if you if you're gonna sit there and say, well, this is okay, but this is not okay, then it's like you have to draw the line somewhere because, mm -hmm. like you're saying, with the pedophile or the murderer, you know, you got everyone today saying, I identify as this, I identify as that, blah blah blah. It's like, well, you have someone has to be accountable for something. But That's if, right. like it says in Romans, if we're good by our own standards, well, then who's Who's judging what situation? And that's what they're using today. You find all false religions doing this in other groups. What you say is your truth and I've yeah. got my truth. No, there is right and wrong. There is right. light and darkness. There is left and right. There is good and there is evil. Right. God's word is good. Now, see, some people would say, don't be a fornicator. 
Now, see, that's all well and good for people when they say, I can do whatever I want. But what happens when your daughter's fornicating and bringing home a little baby at 14, 15 years old? Now that becomes an issue for you. You see, God's word is right. Why would he tell you don't be an adulterer? Because you shouldn't be sleeping with somebody's wife. If we could all get out of ourselves and see the truth for what it is, God is fair. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not fornicate. All of these things are righteous. But you see, man has become so self-loving that God is somehow wrong. God is evil. Let me live my life. Let me do what I want. But you don't understand. Your sin, sin itself is not a victimless crime. It's going to affect someone. It's going to do damage to you and to others. Lying is not okay. Doing dirt is not okay. But you see, when everyone does right with what is right in their own sight, this is what you're going to have. You're going to have chaos. All it takes is to read God's word with an open mind and you can understand our Lord is fair because he loves everybody. He holds everyone to the same standard and he wants us all to be holy. You see, that should be a compliment to fallen man. I can be holy. All the things that I've done in my life that I'm ashamed of, I can now be different. God is saying that I can be just like him. The creator of all that is says that I can be like him. He calls us up higher and I wanna play around in the mud. There's something wrong with that. But you see, if we can get our minds transformed and understand that Jesus Christ is the light and before we got saved, we were crazy. Now we can say, Lord, you know what? I desire to be made clean, you know? And that's what it's about. He's telling you that you can be better than you ever were before, not just outwardly appearing, not just wearing new Jordans or putting on a new dress, not looking good, but being good because he works with your nature. How can that be wrong? But you see, if I've got no desire to change, what I just preached was hate. What I just said was unrighteousness and wicked to its core. But Jesus says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But he says, for those who come to the light want their deeds reproved that they may be made righteous. That's the only reason people don't come to Christ because their deeds are evil and they wanna stay as they are. But you've got to preach Christ that they may be able to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. Forget about truth being hate speech, we wanna see souls saved. And that's why it says in 1 John 4, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. I shouldn't be concerned with how I'm gonna be treated. I should be concerned that souls will receive Christ and get saved if I truly love them. But you're gonna find out a lot of love that people say today is cowardice because they don't wanna save a soul. But anyway, Look at verse, uh, so he says, the darkness comprehended it not. Look at verse six. There was a man sent from God who named, whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So John was the forerunner to come and tell people about Christ. Hey guys, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Turn away from your sin because when the Lord gets here, I can baptize you and the Lord is gonna baptize you with the spirit and give you everything that you need 
That was John's message. He was there to wake up a nation, tell people, hey man, the light is on its way that we may repent and get right with Christ. You and I are a type of John the Baptist, preaching the light. Look at verse seven. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So as you can see, Jesus Christ is that light that we need, you know, in this dark world. Look at verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. So can you imagine creating everything? And then, the, you know, that creation itself stopped obeying you because of the devil and the whole world told, um, became darkness. And Jesus Christ stepped into his own creation, okay, and became a light. And people don't even know that this is the creator. They don't even know that he's here for their well-being to fix all that is wrong. So it says they don't understand, they comprehended him not. Uh, okay, where am I? Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Uh, he came unto his own, which was Israel, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if you spend time with Jesus and you come to Christ, he will transform you to make you a son of God. The same spirit he walked in in this world, he will make you. You wanna know why we're afraid and we can't be bold for Christ? Because we don't have the same spirit. We haven't been sanctified like him. He's not fully walking in us and living in us. It takes a dying out to self to allow Jesus Christ to deal with your mind, to deal with your heart, to guide your steps and your mouth in everything that you do. It's gonna take a surrender to him, time spent with him, sacrifices unto him, which means to give your body to him and let him govern it because after all, he made it. And I guarantee you, you get full of Christ, you're not gonna fear any man. You're not gonna fear losing any job. You're not gonna fear going to jail. You're not gonna fear what who won't accept you. Jesus was rejected by his own. His own family members spoke against him. You can read that in, in um, Matthew 13, where he had to leave the place where he was because they wouldn't receive him. Man, we gotta give it to him so that we can get strong and represent the Lord. He says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when you and I are born again, it's a transformation made spirit to spirit with Jesus Christ, that it's a spiritual thing that takes place. See, a lot of people wanna join a church. A lot of people wanna join certain things. You can't join a church. You've got to be born into it. And God's nature, I mean, God's church is worldwide. You can be born into the church. God will breathe on you. When you get baptized, when you surrender to him, God will birth you into the church that you will be one of his because you house the same spirit. That's what this is about. It's a process that he's going to take you through, grow those fruit in you that you can be with him. There's nothing wrong with going to church. Make sure it's a good church. But the point is, is when you go to church, you know, your whole goal there is to learn of Jesus Christ, 
get filled and sanctified that you can go out and do the work yourself. That's really what church is for. That's the way school works. That's the way job and apprentice programs work. That's the way boxing works. You don't go to the gym to learn to be a boxer, okay, just to sit there and never get in a boxing match, never sparring, never testing your skills. Church is the craziest place on earth because people will sit there for 90 years and never know Jesus Christ, never have anything in the Bible operating in them to do the work of Christ. You've got to be born into this thing to become a lively stone and an active member. But if all we're doing is just sitting around, Pastor Price had me laughing one Sunday, man. He was preaching and he was telling everybody, you know, yeah, man, we need to be active for Christ. So then he just stops, goes and sits in the congregation with everybody else and saying, yeah, look, you know, like I can do this too. You know what I mean? But it made me laugh because he was saying, if I thought that way and I wasn't getting prepared to preach the gospel, then I mean, you guys wouldn't hear any words. So, you know, <laughs> I love Pastor Price. But anyway, he wasn't trying to hurt people, but he was just bringing that reality that we've got to grow in Christ, you know, and that takes time to do what he says. So look at verse, um, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus Christ came into the world, he didn't just come with the truth, he came with grace. You know what that means? When he exposed you to the truth, he knew that you couldn't change right away. He knew that it would take time. He knew that the only thing standing between us and God's wrath was his grace and truth, truth. <laughs> to show us how to live, that we may be made right in him, that we may do what he says. And that's why when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, this is 100% the truth. You're going to find for everything in this world that you think is opposite of the word of God, you're going to find that this world splits in half unto two places. It's either towards Jesus Christ or it is for the devil. There is no in-between in this, guys. I know it looks like you can choose this. I can go to Buddha. I could just become an atheist. I can be an agnostic and believe all things are possible, but it really only boils down to two things. It's either gonna be of Christ or it's of Antichrist, which is the devil. There is no in-between in this thing. The more the Lord opens your eyes and begins to show you, he's gonna show you all the things that belong to the devil, and he's gonna show you all the things that belong to him and you're gonna find that everything else is gonna to fade to black. It's almost like getting down to the lowest or smallest compound, down to the atom, down to the protons and neutrons. Okay, this is what it's made of. You're gonna find this is what the world is made of, either Christ or Antichrist, no in between. Any example you guys will give me right now, I can tell you whether or not it's of Christ or Antichrist. How do you know? Because some things, point towards the purposes of the Lord and other things in this world mean to take you away from them. All right, so look at um, verse 15. John bare witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, 
for he was before me, and of his fullness have all we received the grace, uh, all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So Jesus Christ existed long before he came around. I know you hear a lot of people will tell you that Jesus, you know, he came around in the year one or the year zero or in between the times. Jesus Christ had always existed. He was always there with the Father and God brought him into the world to redeem man from hell. All right, so let me read this article to you guys real quick. And then we're gonna get back into this, but I think this is very interesting. And then we're gonna hear a video clip of Pastor Price, okay? It's called, uh, What's Wrong With Church Folk? All right, so it, it's a good one. But um, this is called, Are You Willing To Be Hated For Speaking The Gospel Truth? All right, here we go. Uh, let's see, they say, I agree. And that's what I want to talk about. Well, actually, I'll start from the beginning. When Gianna Jensen or Jessen uh, spoke to our church a few weeks ago, she said many memorable things. The one that I've been thinking about is that to be a follower of Christ, you need to be willing to be hated. I agree, and that's what I want to talk about. Of course, this does not mean being hateful, nor does it mean seeking to be hated or having a persecution complex. So uh, so you think people don't like you because you're following Christ when they actually don't like you because you're an idiot. Okay, but it says, I am all for graciousness, kindness and, and servant hearted love uh, as we speak the truth. I seek to practice this uh, with the non-Christian I'm around. But at some point, the greatest kindness we can offer them coming out of the life of humility and faithfulness to Christ is the good news about Jesus. The good news actually involves some very bad news about human sinfulness, which is what makes the cross an offense, meaning that it ticks people off. The danger comes when we live in such fear of being uh, mislabeled that we don't step forward as unapologetic and unashamed, all out followers of Jesus. They can call us Jesus freaks or ignorant or uncool or intolerant or anything they want, that's fine. We should do what we believe pleases our Lord, regardless of how it pans out in opinion polls. It says that including that includes love, uh, loving others, sorry, and giving radically, and ministering to the down and out and addressing addictions and saying we think it's wrong to kill children of all ages and helping people find alternatives. We do such things not seeking the approval of our culture, but of our king. If we seek our culture's approval, we'll either never get we'll either never never get it or get or get it only at the expense of failing to represent Christ. We are promised that if we live godly lives in Christ Jesus, we will suffer persecution. If we're not suffering persecution at some level, 
then what does that suggest? We should certainly be nice, and it's sad when Christians aren't, but it's also sad when we imagine niceness has greater impact than it really does. Niceness is not the gospel. Some modern concepts of evangelism are little being nice to your neighbor and loaning him your hedge clipper or hoping that somehow he will come to Christ without you actually having to say the words of the gospel, which would run the risk of him thinking you're weird. Our good example is important, but it's not sufficient. There are actual truths that must be grappled with in surrendering to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, one through six, and these truths are expressed in words. This woman got more balls than most men. I'm not trying to be funny or sound, you know, but this woman is telling the truth. She says, I'm all for audience analysis and understanding the perceptions of this generation and speaking in a way that they can understand. But instead of letting the world set our agenda and the ground rules of what we can or can't say, let's ask the Lord how best to take the timeless message of the gospel to these people. But I say, I mean, but, and I say this coming out of some of the conversations I've had with cool Christians. Uh, the answer is not altering the contents of the gospel to make it something everyone can easily agree with. If the gospel becomes nothing more than the reflection of the worldview they already have, it has nothing to offer them. It's, gospel, it's God's gospel, given the price he paid on the cross to offer it. He has the right to say difficult things, such as Jesus is the only way to the Father, and we are hellbound without him. That message is not popular and never will be. Our job isn't to edit the message, but to deliver it. Amen. Amen, woman. This woman knows her stuff. Anyway, I'll say sister before I have some feminist telling me that I'm downgrading women. But anyway, it says, among some believers, the new definition of a good Christian is holding your beliefs privately, not challenging those who publicly share beliefs that dishonor Christ, and avoiding controversy at all costs, uh, lest, lest we be perceived as those kind of Christians who hate gays, uh, oppose abortion, favor inquisitions to live to burn witches. We so, uh, we so much uh, want the world to like us that we end up distancing ourselves from the historic Christian faith, from biblical doctrine, including hell, and from churches because they're all hypocrites except us. We end up making ourselves indistinguishable from the world and therefore have nothing to offer the world. So if we begin to act like the world, and we're not the light and salt of the earth, will be trodden under the foot of men. This is the truth. So she says, sometimes we assume the moral high ground by rolling our eyes at those street preachers, congratulating ourselves that we aren't like that. Street preaching's not my thing, but I can give, my, I can give you names of people who have come to Christ through street preaching. It's more of a stretch to name those uh, who've come to Christ through Christians who think it's not cool to tell people the biblical truth that they need to repent of their sins 
uh, for evils, basically uh, a big insult, and turn to Christ to be saved from hell. It's not our job to be popular. We are not contestants on American Idol, and we are not Christ uh, speech writers or PR team, like politically correct team, you know, or whatever, you know, and then it says, airbrushing of Jesus, airbrushing Jesus so that he has a greater appeal to people uh, who don't want uh, to hear uh, what he said about sin and hell. He's the king. He calls the shots. We're just his ambassadors. So let's represent the real Jesus, the whole Jesus, not just the culturally acceptable one. Amen, sister. There is nothing new or postmodern about the gospel turning some people off. That's always been true. Just as it always been uh, true that some people are longing to hear it and will deeply appreciate it that you had enough courage to tell them about Jesus. As D.O. Moody said, when someone criticized his approach to evangelism, I like the way I do it better than the way you do it. Uh, it says, it is not gracious and kind to withhold the gospel from those who, according to Jesus, are going to hell without him. Sometimes uh, what we imagine to be our graciousness and kindness is actually indifference or cowardice. All men will hate you because of me. That's Mark 13 and 13. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. That's John 15 and 18. Man, this woman is, is man, she was right on. She said what was true. What a lot of people think is love is really cowardice because you're worried about you. There is no place scarier than hell. There is nothing that you would ever have to face ever in existence. More, more uh, terrible and, and uh, what do you call it, terrifying than hell. So why would you want people to go there by the sake of you being accepted by all? This is where we got to get to the place and jump outside of this and obey the Lord. Let's look at Luke 6, and then we're going to go right to uh, Pastor Price's uh, teaching that he uh, had a few years ago. But look at Luke 6, and let's look at verse 20, guys. Luke 6 and 20. Because you see, when the devil tells you you don't love for preaching the gospel, that's a disempowering message. That's only meant to get you to shut your mouth and not be offensive for the Lord. Hey, Sister Tatiana, Brother Seth, and uh, that's it so far. And Sister Teresa, I uh, hope all is well. So look at Luke 6, guys. Look at verse 20. And Jesus said, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice. So he doesn't say be sad. He says, rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. So you see how the prophets were treated? 
They were rejected. People separated from them. People didn't want them. People didn't want to hear the truth. Look at verse 24. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So you see how beloved Joe Osteen is? You see how loved T.D. Jakes is and Joseph Prince and all these mega preachers out there that are preaching trash, not even telling people the true gospel, just saying, just love everybody, just go under hyper or super grace. Yes, homosexuals are accepted in this congregation. All this stuff, you can be a sinner, remain a sinner, don't change, and God loves you. Just, just you know, stay here. And look at how people flock to that. Look what people put their money in. But God's like Pastor Price, people like us that have preached the truth. Look how people reject it and turn away from it. They don't want to hear this because you see the true gospel doesn't accommodate the flesh. The true gospel gets you heavenly minded and focused on Christ that you may live a life for him. So you see false prophets are loved. It's always been that way. But those who preach the truth will be rejected. That's just the way it is. So let's hear this clip of Pastor Price. This is called What's Wrong With Church, Folks? This is one of my favorite teachings of his. And I think we're going to get some understanding in this. Man, you know he lets it all hang out. So buckle your seatbelts, okay, and get ready for the ride. This is called uh, What's Wrong With Church, Folks? Here we go. This thing is very logical. He says in, uh, in Psalm 97, 7, you'll be confounded if you serve graven images that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Look at um, Isaiah 42. Isaiah chapter 42. Take a look at that. Look at verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory will I, will I not give to another, neither my praise to what? Graven images. Graven image. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Isaiah 42, 17. They shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed that trust in graven images. That say to the molten images, you are our God. Remember that now. They deal with graven images and molten images. Isaiah 41, look at verse 29. Behold, they are all vanity, their works are nothing. Their molten images are wind and confusion. So you're seeing two kinds of images now. Graven images and molten images. But these are images that can be embedded inside of the human. Look at a, Jer Jeremiah chapter 50. Jeremiah chapter 50. We're going behind the scenes to look at the spirit world today so you can see what's really being projected on us to try to stop us. And we're trying to find out how to stop it before it stops us. Jeremiah 50 verse 38. A drought is upon her waters and they shall be dried up. For it is the land of graven images 
and they are mad upon their idols. They've been driven into madness, insanity, meditating on their idols. They're mad on their idols. They've been driven crazy. Watch how people react when you touch one of their idols. They're ready to kill you. You don't even know these folks and you mad at me about them? They, they'll drive you crazy because they become your God. Why do they become your God? The image of them is now painted in you. You've got the imprint of the image of the thing you worshiped in you. So to say something about the outer thing you worship is to now somehow impugn the inner thing in you. See, it's attachment. Beyonce is no longer somebody over there singing. I've listened, I've looked, I've meditated on her so long that she's engraving herself inside of me. So to say something about her is to say something about me. She lives in me as my God. And you're not just talking about a, a little young girl singing and, and, and twerk dancing. You're talking about my God. I worship Beyonce. She's everything to me. I mean, think about the pitiful state you're in. But that's how people really walk around right now. They've been driven insane meditating on the devil's mediums. Music, TV, movies, all this stuff is used to engrave the, the inner man with the image of these folks they worship. And every person they worship is housing demons that will transfer from the worship. And the best way to do it is through music and song. Man, you let the beat and the tunes and the rhythms carry the demons in. And you know, the chisel is the words. The words is chiseling out the image, but the music is a carrier. The music is designed to do what? Lower your inhibitions and resistance. You get in flow with it. See, when you begin to move to the sweat, you are now putting your body and your inner man in alignment with the tune to allow that music to take effect on you to allow the words now to imprint. You don't think it's affecting you. It's affecting you because it's changing you into what those words are chiseling out in your soul. Words are just like a chisel in the hand of a sculpture. It is chiseling out the image. And then the devil's going to fill that image with the spirit. To the degree that folks will come to Jesus Christ, apparently on the outside, and try to drag hip hop with them. Because the image in them says what? Don't leave the hip hop behind. You worship me. You glorify me. I'm your God. So we'll just modify Jesus to accommodate me. So they change into another kind of Jesus that wants to be worshipped using hip hop. See, they got to modify Jesus to accommodate the demon in them. And then they're trying to make you see it. Man, we're not going to see that because you're demon possessed. We're not going to see your demons and accept them. You got to be delivered. And see, that reverberates in them. That offends them because the demons in them begin reverberating. And they'll begin to give excuses called imaginations to your mind why that ain't true. Well, it's just music. There is nothing spiritual about the music. You know, God receives all kind of worship. You know, the Lord don't care if we see this. That's the demons. Just fomenting all these delusional thought processes to stay embedded in your soul. Only when you turn from it are you a candidate to be set free. Without turning from it, all you're going to do is make excuses 
for the demons living in you. And they'll use your own mind and your own mouth to excuse them. They'll have you thinking the thoughts of the demonic, making excuses for them living in you and validating and justifying their inhabiting you. And you will be offended by the gospel. The gospel will be offensive to you when you got these spirits embedded in your soul. Remember, the main thing that church folk can't accept is an incompatible message with the spirits living in them. That's why they back out from it. That's why I want to get in line with something that's going to end the world. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a witness, and then the end shall come. But the demons don't have anywhere to go when the world ends but to hell. So what are they trying to do? Sustain the world as long as they can. They know the judgment of God has been already pronounced from heaven, so we can only do what? Attempt to delay. Delay it. Delay it. Delay it. Don't let it happen today. If we make it through the day, good. Let's try to try again for tomorrow. And the way to do it is not to let the gospel of the kingdom be preached to the whole world as a witness. Because that's the precursor for the end to come. So anybody that brings an end time message saying, hey, let's just go ahead and launch full blast and forget everything and bring the kingdom to earth. And the people just step back. You know what step back in them? The demons. I'm not giving them that. I'll watch it on live stream. But if, if we contribute to it, it's going to have a platform built to do what? Expand its borders. We're trying to keep it on live stream over this hotel without a broad audience so it won't expand and it won't reach the whole world because we'll encapsulate it. So I'm just watching it every Sunday to see are they doing, have they made any breakthroughs? Have they broke out any kind of way? Because <laughs> I'm really tripling and scared to death. Not you, it's the demons in you that are afraid. See, if they see somebody, they know that joker might tell them right there will say anything. That joke, he's so crazy, he will say anything. When you got no conscious awareness of your environment, you will say anything. That's John the Baptist. Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herod, you can hear my, my side of the palace right there yelling. Where'd he come from? Nowhere. Somebody asked me the other day, where did Elijah come from? Elijah is Hishbite. Same place John the Baptist did. God always got somebody as a remnant somewhere does not start part of the status quo outside the camp kind of a person, a renegade. He just, you just come in, he don't care, you don't respect nothing. You're no respect of persons. You hear, you speak. God has spoken, I can only prophesy. You don't have any conscious awareness of your environment of people. That's terrifying to church folk because you're supposed to operate within the confines of the propriety of churchanity. You're supposed to respect the Pope. The Pope is an old man needing to be saved. That's the maximum potential of the Pope. He has no significance above anyone else down here. None. He's just a guy. I just offended 1.3 billion people because they think he's something. Mary was a good little girl that Jesus came through. Maximum potential. No other meaning, nothing else about her. 
She can't hear your prayer. She can't pray for you. There's only one intercessor between God and man, Jesus Christ. Mary was a good little teenage girl that had a baby. That's maximum potential. See how I don't, look at what idolatry can do to you. It'll make you believe this thing is really significant and important. It has no meaning whatsoever, non-zero. Nothing, no value. It's just around, it's nothing. And then in your mind, exalted to this place of preeminence. And you really believe it means something. You really mean, you really believe that the people are taking excursions to the Vatican to pay homage to the Pope and walk around in the in St. Peter's Basilica and walk around and see the trappings of God's kingdom, God's city. And then while taking pictures in front of the fountains and wanting to see the cardinals walking around in red and Man, this is God's city. I, I, I was there, I felt the presence of God in the Vatican. All in your mind. That's like feeling the presence of Mickey Mouse in Disney World. You, you see what I'm saying? You make it real. You make it significant. No meaning whatsoever. Because the devil can chisel out an image in you, feel it, put a spirit in you that will make you cry over things. Make you feel emotional about something that meant nothing. You'll cry in church about a joker saying nothing. T.D. Jakes had me in tears, said nothing. I cried when Old Steen was speaking, he said nothing. I wept as a child as Father Mulligan gave his homily. It was so touching, so awe-inspiring. The clown said nothing. But the spirit in you was responsive to the idol that you have made in you. It'll make you feel emotional, make you cry. Can't you say that a no good guy made you feel he loved you? <laughs> you was crying when he gave you the little old gift, you know, crying, gave you a little necklace and some roses and you were back sleeping with the thing on your pillow, the roses in the bed next to you thinking, man, he just... Oh, I'm just so touched. Talking to your girlfriend. Ronald gave me some roses today for Valentine's and he gave me a little chain too and told me he loved me. Now you didn't know he got all that stuff at the dollar store for 25 girls. <laughs> he got all that junk at the dollar store for 25 girls. He came by and told everybody the same thing. And yeah, you know, I just, I don't know what did I just love you so deeply. That joke gonna made his rounds like Santa Claus doing Christmas. That's another idol. <laughs> and you sitting there in your room crying over a joker don't know if you're dead or alive running game on you it's got your mind and your heart and your soul emotionally attached to this bomb this game player this shyster that's the same way religion works you're sitting in churches most of you people that might hear this after your church service today you wasted your time this morning now you're trying to listen to this this afternoon you're a hypocrite you're sitting in church listening to that fool mess in the daytime talking about I'm going to feed on the word this evening. No, leave us alone. Leave us alone. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You can't receive anything from the Lord. You don't want to be ostracized by the junk you belong to, yet you want to try to prove to God you worship him in spirit and in truth. You better go and come again with that trash. You can't receive water from a bitter fountain and a sweet fountain. You got to sell out to one or the other. 
God just told you in his word, stay away from all idolatry and false images and graven images and molten images. And you're trying to mix the two together because you don't want to be put out by the folks you're trying to belong with. Yet you're trying to sneak in here through the back door and listen to some words. And support the trash you want to. And trying to feed off of this. Man, go somewhere and come again. A hypocrite can't receive anything from the Lord. A lot of folk, man, they don't want to. They undercover. Uh, or sneak around slick listeners. They listen to this message slick and stealth undercover listener. Don't about to know, you know. You dirty hypocrite. You're ashamed of Christ. You're ashamed of Christ. You deny him before men. Therefore, he will deny you before his father. You won't make it in. You're a hypocrite. Try not to defend your mama and your daddy, your husband or your wife, your other church folk you still want to fellowship with, knowing this message will be offensive to them. You are undercover listener. Because I don't want Sister Charlie May to know I'm listening to this and I want to keep it under. She saw the tape in the car, the CD. What is this? Oh, that's nothing, Charlie May. That's nothing. My brother had that. Throw it out the one that we ride down the street, don't you? You don't believe that's real? That's real, man. And they're not making it in because they denied Jesus Christ before men. Wherefore he will deny them before his father. You are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation to whomever will believe it, given to the Jew first, and now it's for the Greek. And you're ashamed of the gospel that can set you free. How can you be set free by a gospel that you're ashamed of? You're an idolater. You're a church folk that won't come to Jesus because of the image born out in you. You have an awareness of this present evil world and the idols and demons that rule it over and above Jesus Christ. And you worship them in lies and fantasy, in the flesh and make believe. So you won't worship God in spirit and in truth. That's what's really going on. I mean, something as small as Dunamis Tabernacle couldn't pick up all this resistance unless you got church folk bathed in idolatry. Bathed in the worship of this present evil, evil world, bathed in carnality, bathed in the fleshly and devil that's trying to sustain the life here so Christ can't live. So you hold on to your life trying to sustain this life. Christ is set on the back burner, not allowed to come forth because I don't want to bring shame to me by affiliating with a dead Jew on a cross. You're ashamed of the son of God while claiming to worship him. You're a liar and the truth is not in you. Hey, we call a spade a spade. Not an agricultural instrument, whatever that is. A drought is upon the waters. They're mad upon their idols, he says in Jeremiah 50, 38. Look at Jeremiah 51, verse 47. Jeremiah 51, take a look at verse 47. This is amazing as you read all these things. Therefore, behold, the days come that I will do judgment upon the graven images of Babylon, and her whole land shall be confounded, and all her slain shall fall in the midst of her. Then the heaven and the earth and all that is therein shall sing for Babylon, 
for the spoiler shall come unto her from the north, say of the Lord. As Babylon have caused the slain of Israel to fall, so at Babylon shall fall the slain of all the earth. God is coming against the images of confusion. The images the devil forges to allow the demon spirits to fill the images so the imaginations of the demons in the images infiltrate your thinking to make your thoughts antichrist. I'm showing you the invasion now. I'm showing you what happened to you. Why do you think you didn't come to get saved early on in life? Because you had graven and molten images embedded in you. How did they get there? How do graven and molten images come into the human being? A molten image, if you got an artist making a molten image, this is the way they make them. They have a form cut out basically in concrete or something else that's not going to melt when, it's, when heat hits it. So what you do, you melt down whatever you want to pour into the form to make it into the image. So if you got gold or silver, you melt it. Let it liquefy pour it into the mold, set the mold up, and let it cool. You take the break the mold off and you got the image left. That's a molten image. It's a liquefied image that got hard. A graven image is either chiseled out or carved. So if I'm going to, if I put a tattoo on Chanda, that's a graven image. Because really the, the tattoo pen cut into her flesh and injected the ink in her flesh. So she got a graven image in her. Graven into the body. Liquid, melting, put into a mold, let it cool, molten image. Graven image is cut into something or it's chiseled in like a hammer hitting the chisel and it forges out an image. You make a statue by a statue artist chiseling out the image. And so it's a Graven images. What's the difference? A molten image is something that you like doing. A graven image was something that brought you pain. So a molten image is an image of pleasure. A graven image is an image of pain. So the hurts in you can be an image. The dissatisfactions, the molestation, the thing that brought you heartbreak and set up inside of you, chiseled out in you. But the things that were molten were poured into you in a heat, a heat, a heated up way. It felt good coming in, and then it set up and got hard. So you had the sex, and it felt the orgasms felt good. But you know, a molten image was being poured into you at the same time, and it set up and hardened, and the devil got in that. Now, what do you do? Look for the pleasure over and over again. Now you seek for pleasure all the time because the molten image full of that spirit that came in from that activity is seeking for a reoccurrence of what happened to let that image set up. The graven image controls you by you not trying to feel the pain again, still controlling you. Still, I'm going to make sure no man hurts me again like that again. But that image now is dictating you don't trust any man. You see, now all men, you got to watch them because they'll hurt you. They got twitch kind of funny. I thought it was going to hit me like the other man hit me all the time. I was used to getting beat. I thought you'd be ready to hit me. Why Why you move your hands? I was reaching for the, for the, uh, for the butter. Well, I thought you were getting ready to swing on me because I had three guys beat me. And I'm flinching while every guy moving his hand. You got a graven image in you that's making you react to your environment because of pain. Or you can be seeking for your environment to please you because it came in as pleasure. 
Any way you do it, the devil's doing what? He got an image in you that he's feeling with a spirit to control you. See, the, all these after control, negative or positive control. He don't care. As long as I know when the deal goes down, I can control you. So imagine now preaching the gospel to those kind of people. If it don't bring pleasure and you got an image of pleasure in you, you're going to back, back off of it. If it brings pain and you're trying to avoid pain, you're going to do what? Back off of it. But see, the gospel is designed to kind of massage you with pleasure and pain. <laughs> it, don't, it don't stay like all pleasure or all pain. Because to get out graven images and molding images, it requires something. And God tells you what he does for you to get them out of you. Verbatim in the Bible. It's amazing. The Bible is really amazing. You know that? Okay. So you see, I mean, what he's bringing is the truth. And he got revelation of the spirit that the Lord was showing him what molten and graven images are. Because these are the people that we minister to. This is the sanctification that you and I had to go through and have take place in our lives so that we can be sanctified. There were lots of pleasures that we experienced in our lives that the gospel intrudes upon, and I don't wanna stop doing what I'm doing because it makes me feel good. But then you've got the graven images that may come that cause pain, and they may look at the gospel as an intrusion or another form of control. So you see, these are the people that we're preaching to, and it's gonna take the Holy Ghost to be full of Christ to be told who to minister to and what to say. So you see, this is what we're up against. I mean, we're all fragmented souls that the Lord has to make whole that we can talk to about Christ, that he may make them whole. But you see, this is all about getting to people that need to be saved. If we could ever just look at it for once, that we're here to do a mission, here to get a job done. We're here to save those who are lame and maimed and broken and blind. If we could just ever look at it like Jesus said in Luke 4 and verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free, to open the prison houses, to restore sight to the blind, to heal them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If we could ever look at it from that standpoint, that the world needs not you, but Jesus Christ in you to get the job done, we would overcome our fear and recognize that true love is gonna put you in the face of confrontation because you've got to break down strongholds to set captives free. That's what this whole thing is about. I mean, imagine Superman being a coward. Imagine any hero that you had ever looked at while you were in the world that you loved being a coward. I mean, look at your favorite quarterback or running back. If he's scared to run with the ball up the field, what is he going to do? So you see, we have to be the way that Jesus Christ was. Thank God for Jesus that he didn't have fear of man to do what he did. Because if Jesus was in this thing for pleasure or he yielded from the cross because of pain, man, you and I would have no savior. We've got to be a living sacrifice unto Christ and give those things over to hear and obey and to say what needs to be said. If we are the light and salt of the earth, we gotta be what he calls us to. Look at Isaiah 30 real quick. For people that don't want the gospel, 
Look at Isaiah 30 and let's look at verse 1. And a lot of people find Pastor Price offensive. And like I said, I can give you my testimony. At one point, I did. There were things that he said, man, that I'm just like, man, I don't know. Because if I listen to him, I've got to be a brand new person. Well, guess what? That's the goal. That's all Jesus Christ taught. Jesus didn't say, stay as you are and I'll receive you. He says, hey, you can come as you are, but you're going to be changed. He wants a new creature. He says, you must be born again or you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So look at Isaiah 30, guys. Look at verse one. He says, woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. So what does he call these people? Rebellious children. And what do they do? They seek counsel, but not of him. That means they go anywhere that they can hear counsel, but not of the Lord. And he says, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. Another word for covering is like governing. So they're governed, but not by his spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Like Jesus says, for those who don't want to change, it's because their deeds are evil. But anyone that wants their deeds known, those are ones who accept the change. Hey, Lord, you're right. I'm a fornicator. I need to stop what I'm doing. Lord, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a masturbator. Whatever it is, God can set you free. Look at verse two, that walk to go down into Egypt. So they prefer the world. That's what Egypt is like. And have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. So what are they doing? They're trusting in Egypt to sustain them and protect them. But their strength is in Pharaoh, who is a type of Antichrist, but not Jesus Christ. Look at verse three. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. And this is the problem here. Why we won't preach and why a lot of people won't be saved or don't get saved through us is because there is confusion. We've got double hearts. We've got double minds. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't think that man will receive anything of the Lord. We've got to sell out to one or to the other. But he says your confusion, another word for confusion is perversion. We became, we weren't born perverse. We became perverse through dealing with all things in this world that are not like God. So anyway, he says, for his princes were at Zoan and, in, and his ambassadors came to Haines. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be in help, nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. So it's kind of funny how you and I look to the world for things, which, you know, we got to live in this life. We go and do what we do. But one of the issues is it becomes our shame because the world can't make you better. Only Jesus Christ can. Look at verse six, the burden of the beast of the south in the land of trouble and anguish from whence come the young and the old lion, the viper, the fiery flying serpent, they will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels. 
to a people that shall not profit them. This is what we're doing. Jesus says, how can we gain the whole world and lose our own souls? We give our best to the world. I know that some Christians will be offended by what I'm saying, but this is true. You give Jesus 10 minutes of prayer, and it's usually before bed, but we give the world eight hours in the workplace performing and being the best that we can possibly be. Let's accept the truth. If we are looking to be changed and transformed, we've got to see that we have idols in our lives that we value in many cases more than the Lord. Okay, but anyway, he says they would carry their treasures to a people that wouldn't profit them. For the Egyptians shall help in vain. You know what vain is? Vain is like vanity. It's like a vapor or a breath. On a cold day, you breathe out, your breath will come to be, and then it just vanishes away. This is the best that the world can offer you. Everything that you've obtained in the world, you can't sustain. You can buy a house and it foreclosed. You get a car and repossesses. You can get married and end up in divorce. You can promise someone you'll never, ever leave them. And the next thing you know, they're out the door. We all know what it is to try and sustain and to lose. But this is what he's saying. So Egypt, the Egyptians or the worldly people will help in vain. And to no purpose, therefore, have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. So their strength is not to help you. Their strength is to leave you be. Look at verse eight. Now go write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for a time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people. Look at how he describes the rebellious. Lying children, children that will not hear the law or the word of the Lord which say to the seers, say to the pastors, say to the preachers, say to those who are telling them about the light, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Don't tell us the right things to do. Some right things can seem so hard. He says, but speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceit. Tell me lies. Tell me fantasy. Make me feel good about who I am. Don't tell me about my sin. Don't tell me about change. Don't tell me about hell. Don't tell me about homosexuality is wrong. Don't tell me that abortion is murder. You see, these are the things that people are looking for. Tell me about prosperity. Tell me what a wonderful person I am and how much the Lord loves me. The problem isn't God loving us. The problem is how much do you love God? That's what the whole thing is about. We know that his judgment, I mean, his, his reign is on the righteous and the unrighteous. God gives us grace and he gives us truth. But if we're ever gonna do a work for him, we got to accept the gospel as it is, see the world as he sees it. And you're only gonna get that through relationship and through reading and studying his word and to go and trust God in all that he calls us to. Let's go to uh, John 4. John chapter 4, guys, and we're going to look at verse 1. And we're not going to go too long tonight. John chapter 4, and let's look at verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. John 4, look at verse 1. 
He says, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called a Sychar, uh, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's uh, well uh, was there. Jesus therefore being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well and, um, and it was about the sixth hour. Uh, so about three o'clock. So anyway, he says, uh, there cometh a woman of, of <laughs> there cometh a woman of Samaria uh, to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. And his disciples were gone away unto the city and to buy me. Then saith the woman to, um, of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew, ask his drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So you realize that there was a problem here between you know, the Jews and the Samaritans. They were, they were kind of like mongrel Jews. A Samaritan is like a, a mixed Jew. They're not really like a full blood Jew, but either way, this woman knew in time past that the Samaritans, which came from the seed of the second generation of Ephraim and Manasseh, wouldn't be involved with the original 12 tribes, like they treated them like they were stepchildren, like foreigners pretty much. So anyway, it says in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me, the, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. Now this is what people are missing out when it comes to Jesus and the gospel. Look at what he says in 10. If thou knowest the gift of God, you know, the gospel itself, and who it is that saith to thee, it is Jesus that is calling everyone to repent and to be saved. Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. This is important, guys, because you guys remember with Elijah, when he came to the woman, Elijah was a type of Jesus Christ in 1 Kings 17. He told the woman, give me to drink or give me something to eat. And the woman says, I only have a few things for my son and I, you know, she couldn't do it, but she felt like he was a man of God. So she gave him to eat. And Elijah promised her that if he would eat, that she would eat for many days because she had taken care of the man of God who was symbolic for Jesus Christ. Jesus took care or, or Elijah took care of her and blessed her household gave her everything. Even when her son died, Elijah prayed and brought her son back to life. But you see, it first must begin in Jesus. You've got to give Jesus of the water to drink. You've got to give your body over to Jesus that he can bless it and cause it to be fruitful. You can't keep it to yourself. So you see, when you get about the Lord's business, he'll get about yours. God is good and he is faithful. But if you hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. And he says, if you be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you forsake your life for Christ, you will find your life, the one that he wants you to have. Look at verse 11. The woman saith unto him, you gonna say something? Oh, oh okay. 
Oh, okay. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So you see, Jesus is making clear, you go after carnal things, you're gonna need them again and again and again. But if you give it over to Christ, he'll make all things new and he'll see to it that you never lack. We've tried it our way, guys, and what happened? We ended up in lack, in need, deceived, involved in a lot of bad things. But if we give it over to Jesus, he makes you free. And that's what I love about Jesus. Look at verse 15. The woman, uh, is that where I am? Yeah. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. So the woman's talking about, he, he told her, Hey, you can have this living water. The woman is like, All right, cool, sold. I want this living water that I may never thirst. And the Lord said, okay, go get your husband. So you'd be sitting there wondering, why is he asking to get our husband? That doesn't make much sense if we're talking about water. But look at what he says in verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. What is Jesus telling her? You're not married. You said that part right. You are absolutely right. You are a fornicator. That's what he told her. But then he says, but thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that said thou truly. So he made it clear. Woman, you're fornicating. You've been with five men, and the man you're with now is not your husband. He's making it clear to her so that she can see. The woman saith unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. So she wasn't lying. She confirmed like, yeah, you're true. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So guys, look at this. Jesus wanted this woman to have this water. He obviously knew she was coming. He sent his disciples into the city to go get food and water. And he stayed where he was that the woman would come. He told her about this water. She said, okay, but the Lord knew as much as I wanna give this to you, you need the new bottle to house the new wine. You've got to have the new house be the new man to house the spirit that both can be preserved. So he told her that she was a fornicator and she's still fornicating. And he told her in order for them to be right, those things need to be changed. You see, now some people would say today, I wanna preach the gospel to this woman and I just wanna show her the love of Jesus by inviting her to where we go, by just talking to her about other things, disregarding her filthy sin 
and thinking that somehow she's gonna reap the benefits of Jesus Christ. If I just be nice and I say what is pleasing to her, somehow she's gonna know that the Lord loves her and she's gonna change her life. No, she won't. Because one went at one case or another, you're gonna have to be confronted with what's holding you back. Jesus dealt with the demons. So he told her, hey, you know, look at verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. So we can't worship the Lord unless we worship him in spirit and in truth. A lot of people want to separate the spirit from the truth. A lot of people want to separate the truth from the spirit. You can't do that. It's got to be in God's spirit, and it is always anchored in the truth. You can't sell people on something that doesn't exist. You can't give people lies and fantasy and expect them to come to Christ. You've got to tell them the truth of the gospel that people may be saved. If we weren't chicken little, we would ring in a harvest for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is no way around this. So if we're serious about saving souls, we need to preach the gospel. Look at John 8. John chapter 8, and look at verse 12. And all of truth is confrontational. You can tell lies, man. You may feel a little bit guilty, but, you know, you tell a lie, people go on, ha-ha, that was funny, and move on. But when it comes to truth, hey, man, I got to tell you something. Hey, I think you need to sit down. Yeah, um, actually, it, it it wasn't such and such. I did it, and, you know. I mean, you may feel funny at first, but after a while, you're glad that you got that off your chest. But try living a lie, and then you got to remember the lie. Then you got to tell more lies because more company comes around, <laughs> and people will want to know what's going on. Hey, man, if you just tell the truth, get it off your chest, man, you don't even have to live with it anymore. And this is how the devil binds us with lies, wanting us to feel sorry for people without telling them the truth. If you can't tell somebody the truth, you don't feel sorry for them. You don't even love them. John 8, look at verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So if you want to follow the Lord, you can't walk in darkness, and you won't, because he's going to lead you to the light, which is himself, and of life, which is eternal. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, 
I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but and the I mean, but and the but I, sorry, and the Father uh, that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and my father uh, that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me uh, nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. And uh, then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Uh, then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? <laughs> because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. That's all we're preaching, guys. We're trying to go to a dying world that they may be saved, that they may be sanctified, that they may desire Christ, that they can be made whole. Look at verse 25. Then said they unto him, who art thou? And Jesus saith unto him, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. It's the same thing with us. We're supposed to speak of those things that we have heard and read of Jesus. That's all it is. You know, we're supposed to be like the messenger. We're supposed to be like the mailman. You come, you drop off the package. This is my job. I don't care what's in your certified letter, you know, and I'm not going to ask you how things worked out. This is a package for you. Can you sign it, please? You get the signature, you move on to the next house. We are messengers. We are meant to be witnesses. If people won't receive it, it's a witness against them. If they will receive it, they will have eternal life. Jesus says, you know, go ye out in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, he that believeth and is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not will be damned. And that's it. That is our responsibility with preaching the gospel. Whosoever will hear it, will hear it. If they choose not to, you can't force them to. We must look at it that way, okay? So he says, uh, oh, where am I? Uh, verse 27, they understood not that he spake uh, to them of the Father. Uh, then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. So what we must understand with verse 28 is, when he talks about lifting up the Son of Man, it's about believing on Jesus Christ. How will you and I know if we can win souls if we don't try? How do we know that the gospel in Jesus Christ sets you free if we don't trust Jesus? 
This is what it's all about, having faith in him. Verse 29, and he that sent me is with me. The father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Can you imagine that? Imagine doing guys always those things that please Jesus. That's the goal, to be left his spirit, to do what he calls us to. That is, that is perfect obedience. And he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews, which believe on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So if you continue in the words of Jesus, you are his disciples. And, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then answered him, uh, we be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. Now sayest thou, ye shall be made free. Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. You see that? We, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to be in bondage. He wants you to be afraid. He wants you to deny Jesus. He wants you to be ashamed of him. Why? Because all those things are sins, okay? And he knows that those things separate us from the life of God. He says, if you commit sin, you're the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We need to be free to do the will of the Lord, to preach the gospel, you know, to reach those lost souls. But the devil is banking on you and I being afraid. He's banking on you and I caring about being intolerant, being divisive, being homophobic, being uh, not wanting to coexist. He's hoping that you desire what men desire. Remember when Peter said, Lord, when Jesus was going to the cross and Peter said, Lord, be it far from you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. Why was Satan an offense or using Peter as an offense? Because he said, you savor the things that be, you savor not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. This is what we've got to get set free from. And there's nothing you can do except spending time with the Lord, getting into his word, growing in the grace of Christ, that you may be able to overcome those things that the devil tries to bind you with. Yes, Sarah. And you notice with that too, with him trying to use Peter, that it was like he tried to use a close friend to Jesus. To bind him. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Can I add something to that? Yeah. Um, at the end of John, John 21 and 15, mm -hmm. Jesus challenges Peter three times and asks them, hey, Simon, you know, do you love me more than these? And mm -hmm. he asked him three times if he loved him. Mm -hmm. And you said earlier, uh, it caught my attention that the problem isn't if Jesus loves us, is if do we love him? Do we mm -hmm. keep his commandments? That's right. And um, three times he answered uh, Peter that to feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. And um, just recently it came to me that answer feeding oh, my man. sheep isn't just food, it's the word of God. Yes. So every word that God gives us, you know, 
Um, and he reveals to us we're supposed to be feeding that's right. his people. That's right. And giving that word back. That's not right. Physically with food, but spiritually. Amen. That's a great point. That's a great point to this because he did ask him if he loved him. And he said, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. So how much do we love Jesus if we right. won't feed his sheep? That's what it's really all about. We got to stop looking at ourselves as victims and become alive to Jesus Christ so that we can do his will. That's why he says, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. But you see, there is no greater love than a man or woman full of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ saves lives. He sets people free. Don't let people tell you that you're unloving for preaching the gospel. That's garbage, okay? Because you're willing to stand in the face of all adversity to see a captive set free. There is no greater love, like Jesus says, than for them that lay down their lives for their friends. He said, no, nah, you know, not, that doesn't mean commit suicide or die for them. He said, that's easy shoot me instead of him. I get to go to heaven. You know, I don't have to pay taxes. He's not talking about that. He's talking about sharing your life with someone. And that's why when we grow in this thing, guys, we should be discipling people, man, because sometimes we do give people the right word and people want to come to Christ and people will say, you know what? This is true. But then you got to check on that person, guys, because right after you gave him the word, there's the devil trying to influence them not to come to study, not to do what God says. It's to pull you away from it. So we should be discipling people like, hey, man, why don't we go study together? Why don't we go get a cup of coffee? Let's just go sit in the park, do whatever. Man, let, how's your prayer life? Let me teach you how to pray. You know, pray with me. Let's spend time with the Lord because people need this. But some churches have become so big and not personal that they don't have time for people because they're worried about their stinking flesh. We got to get to the place of loving people to say, hey, you know what, man? I understand you're new. Pastor Price said this, and this is so true, that the church is centered around babes. When someone is a babe in Christ, it's just like a newborn baby being born in the family. Everybody gives the baby attention. Why? Because the baby needs to grow. But you see, when you got people that are only focused on self, they can't get to the newbies in Christ and just, you know, hey, man, come on. Or, you know, we should all be pulling on our brothers and sisters about going somewhere. Oh, I hope you ain't busy because I got things I want to show you. Oh, matter of fact, when you get done, let me show him this. But we should all care for the babes in Christ that they may grow. So you might have done the right thing and preached the gospel to a person. You might have brought a person somewhere, but some people need more personal time and attention. They need prayer. They need help to grow. They need to hear about your experiences and see how you deal with the devil so they may learn how to deal with the devil. Yes, Sarah. And those people that do that, the ones that are so self-centered that they don't want to help the new people are like those older brothers and sisters who are very jealous when the new baby comes around. Mm -hmm. It's nothing to do with that. <laughs> mm -hmm. You take care of him, but you won't take care of me. Amen. You know, and that's one thing. Let's go to 1 John 4, guys, and I'm going to close out from there. But in your spare time, read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where the Bible talks about that there's a strong delusion. Pastor Price and I were talking, and we've never seen anything like it. People are falling into delusion like it's nothing. 
people that have been in church for 30 years are now Hebrew Israelites, going to the Jehovah Witnesses, became Mormons, went to become Catholics. And you're like, man, what's going on? But you see, these people have been taught a lot of lies, never fully been anchored in Christ, straight away, and people were telling them, it's okay, as long as God takes care of you. And when you've got to believe all of what God says. So you see, our goal is to grow, is to become more like Christ. But there is a strong delusion now, guys, and it's going to get even stronger. I'm telling you, one day you're going to come to Bible study or go to church. You're going to hear false gospel, and you're going to turn to your neighbor on your right and say, man, that was wrong with the pastor said. And you know what they're going to say? No, nah, it's the pastor. He said it. something is wrong with you. Then you're going to turn to your right or your left. Hey, man, did you hear that? That was wrong. No, nah, not as far as I'm concerned, not according to my Bible. And then you're going to, you know, talk to people in the church. They're going to kick you out. You're going to go home to tell people it's a false gospel. Your husband or wife or your children or even those closest to you will say, mom or dad, you lost your mind. Okay, you this is the truth. What did you say to read? Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. Yeah. Because that's where it talks about the law, the strong delusion. Mm -hmm. And you want to know what's crazy? The strong delusion is coming from God. And people will believe the lie. You know why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And we can't get caught up in that. We got to buy the truth and sell it not. We got to tell people what is, and we've got to stand by it. That's what it's about. So look at 1 John 4. And read um, uh, 1 John 2 is also a good one. But we're going to 1 John 4 now. And uh, let's look at verse 1. And look at what he says. 1 John 4, look at verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So you've got to try people by the Bible and let the spirit of God reveal to you even the motives of people's hearts. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of antichrist, whereof, that ye, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. So the spirit of Antichrist is all over this place. The word Antichrist comes from two Greek words. Anti means against, and Christ, I mean, it means against or in place of, and Christ means anointed. So anything that is against Jesus Christ is the spirit of Antichrist. Don't try and dress it up. Don't try and look at it like, well, maybe, maybe not. He's making clear anything that wants to be in place of Christ in your life or that is against Christ that you know is the spirit of Antichrist. He said, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So Christ in you is greater than the devil or all the things that the devil has that is in the world. He says that we can overcome. He says, look at verse five, they are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world 
and the world hears them. You see how the people in darkness couldn't comprehend the light? That's what we're dealing with. When people are of the world, they love the world, all they know is the world, they're only gonna hear worldly things. Try this tomorrow at work. Bring up how Jesus has been good to you and watch the crickets that you hear around you and people will go right back to the subject that they were talking about because they're of the world. Look at verse six. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the spirit of error runs right behind the spirit of truth. Usually you and I will be shown the truth before error becomes injected into us. That's why when we hear the truth, we've got to buy it and not sell it. Because you ever see people that reject Jesus Christ after you minister to them? You see how their life becomes progressively worse? Because they have given the devil with their own mouths an okay to take over from there. When you reject Jesus, you reject life. What's outside of life is death. What's outside of truth? Lies. What's outside of, you know, being a heterosexual man or a woman for the Lord is the perverse image of a homosexual. There is no in-between, okay? Look at verse seven, beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So if we know God, we've got to love one another. Look at how John defines love. Look at verse eight. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So look at this. Look at how he defines love. He tells you what love is. He says that God is love. And then he shows what God's love did. He took his only begotten son into the world that he may die for you and I, that you and I may live through Jesus. That's love. Look at verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his only, I mean, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You look at the word propitiation and appeasement in the means of appeasing or propitiation. So in other words, knowing Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ being that sacrifice was the only true sacrifice that God would accept for those who were seeking salvation. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Don't let that shoot by you because God gave an example of his love and he's saying that we ought to love one another the same way. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love and his love is perfected in us. Now John is going to give us an example of perfected love. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. So, like I said, you can't just join a church, you've got to be born into it. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you may grow in his grace, becoming more like him every day. Verse 14, 
And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Another example of the love of God. They see and they do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That's what he's expecting from us. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. So that confession is not just a one-time thing with your mouth. That is how you live. You live to confess Christ to others that people may see Christ. I'm going to close right now. But anyway, it says um, in verse 16, I believe I am. Okay. He says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. So you see, we can't sell ourselves short. The way Jesus was full of the spirit, went out breaking down strongholds, winning souls, you and I have to be the same way. As Jesus was and is, so are we if we live in him. Hey Amen. That ain't me saying this. This is the word. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So when you fear to preach the gospel, don't say you love somebody. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. That's what we got to look at, guys. The gospel being preached and the truth being told is love for your brother because that is the love of God inside of you. Don't let people compromise you with this. Don't let people take you away from the truth. Believe on Jesus Christ, draw closer to him, because guys, truth is really the new hate speech. I got another article that I'm gonna put in the description box that you know you guys get a chance, maybe 30 minutes after it's uploaded, you can look at it. But it's even saying how they're comparing now the Christians to the neo-Nazis and the KKK. Can you believe that? What have we said that was so wrong? But you see, truth is evil in a wicked society. Paul says, for all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So I just want to say to people out there, give your life to Jesus Christ while there is still time. Repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways. You know, believe that he is the only way to be saved. Believe that he died for you and is raised on that third day and is sitting on the right hand of God. Believe that if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, you know, spend time with the Lord, get baptized, get to know him on a personal level. I wanna tell people about the Organic Gospel book by Pastor Price and Sister Maisha Hunter. This proves that the gospel is organic. 
This is, you can't try to be a Christian. You've got to grow in the grace of Christ. This doesn't take away from the Bible. There's plenty of scripture and it simplifies the word that we may seek after Jesus Christ and obey him. Whomever we spend time with, guys, we will be like. This book is $13.95 and you can get it at www.theorganicgospel.net, okay? We're not selling books for cash, okay? We're just trying to get people to have an understanding of growing in grace that we may be like Christ, all right? So I just wanna say to people with that, I love you, let's pray and let's go out from there. Any volunteers for prayer tonight? I'll pray. All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just want to come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord God, for this day that you've given to us. Lord Jesus, I just want to say thank you for the time that you've given to us, Lord Jesus Christ, because, Lord, but the way that things are going in this world today, Lord Jesus, we don't know how much time that we have left, Lord God. Yes, Lord. We know that the freedom to preach the gospel, Lord Jesus Christ, it, it's it's on the verge of coming to a life of persecution, Lord Jesus Christ. But Lord, if we're truly wanting to follow after you, Lord God, if we're truly wanting to seek you, Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to preach the gospel yes, no Lord matter Jesus. what situation that we are yes, in, Lord, Lord Jesus. Jesus. But I also ask and pray, Lord God, that we not waste any more of your precious time, Lord Jesus Christ, that we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that we get on fire for you, Lord Jesus Christ, that we are willing to go through you, and get Lord. a job done for you, Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to say thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your mercy, Lord God, because we've all needed it. Thank you for your patience and your long-suffering with us, Lord Jesus Christ. But there's going to come a time, Lord God, where we've got to take a stand, and we've got to make a decision to follow after you, Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what, Lord. Lord We need to have it in our minds that, Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to stand for you and forsake the world because we want to be on your side, Lord Jesus Christ, and not believe the lies of the devil, Lord God. We've got to preach the truth. No matter how much of a hate speech it comes across, Lord Jesus Christ, because true love is not a feeling, Lord God. It is the person, Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord that Jesus. is what true love is, Lord God. Yes, it Lord. is the truth. And you, Lord Jesus Christ, are the only way. Thank you you are the only truth. You are the only life, Lord God, that we are to follow. So thank you, Jesus, for thank dying you, on the cross for our sins. Thank you, Lord God, for making a way that we can be born again that we can put on the new man in Christ Jesus and forsake the old man, forsake the world, Lord God. So I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, that in all and everything that we go through, Lord God, that we just give it to you because you are bigger than anything, Lord Jesus Christ, that we can go through. You're bigger than our financial situation. You're bigger than our bosses. You're way bigger than the government, Lord Jesus Christ. You're bigger than homosexuality. You're bigger than fornication. You're bigger than anything, Lord yes, God. Lord. We think we Hallelujah. can't give up, Lord Jesus Christ. You are bigger. Lord God, you took it all. You took everything that we went through, Lord Jesus Christ, and yes, nailed Lord. it to Calvary's cross, Lord God, yes, 2,000 years ago. And if we trust and believe in you like we say we do, Lord God, then we're going to know that everything that we're going through, Lord Jesus Christ, you can deliver it from us all. Yes, and we Lord. are true testimonies. I'm a true testimony of that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, so Lord. I'm asking and praying, Lord God, that we just believe in you, trust in you, give our lives over to you, Lord God. And I yes, pray Lord. for 
everyone who listened in tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, that you yes, touch Lord. their lives, Lord God, and be with them. Sister Naima, Sister Tara, Lord God, uh, Sister Teresa in Texas, Lord Jesus, I want to ask for prayer for her tonight, Lord Jesus. She says that she's going through some things, so just be yes, with her, Lord. touch her life, Lord God, come upon her, give her the encouragement, the strength that she needs to go through, Lord Jesus. Brother yes, Seth, Lord God, Brother Randy, uh, Derek's brother-in-law, his sister Dawn, you know, their other brother, Randy, uh, Tara's husband, Lord Jesus Christ, and yes, Brother Timotheus, Lord God, Brother Greg in Italy, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Brother Rock T, Lord God, in Australia, be with him, Lord Jesus, and yes, Pastor Lord. Price and Sister Barbara and all the organic ministry, or excuse me, the Omega ministry, Lord Jesus Christ, be yes, with Lord. him, Lord God. Yes, and also, Lord, Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, be with the man of meeting that's coming at the end of this month, Lord Jesus, that you touch those brothers that are going to be there, Lord God, that you help them, Lord Jesus Christ, yes, to be Lord. strong and encouraged. Men of you, Lord God, because that is sorely lacking today, Lord Jesus. So yes, be Lord. with them, Lord God. Thank touch you, them, Lord. Lord Jesus. Raise up a standard in your remnant, Lord God, that we all be a part of that remnant, yes, Lord, Lord Jesus Thank Christ, Jesus. that we're going to go through. Yes, I pray, Lord. Lord Jesus, that we're going to turn over those plates, Lord God, that we're going to fast and that we're going to pray through for a breakthrough, Lord yes, Jesus Lord. Christ, that we not forsake our prayer closets, Thank Lord you, God, Lord. Yes, that Lord. we are going to be the true worshipers and followers of you, Lord Jesus Christ, Thank those you, vessels, Jesus. Lord Jesus, those fit vessels, the, the potter, Lord, the clay, and you are the potter, Lord Jesus Christ, that we're just, we're going to get filled with you, Lord God. Yes, Thank Lord. you, Jesus Christ. Jesus name, Give us yes, a sound Lord. mind and heart that Thank we're going to stay Lord. strong in you for all that you've done for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name, In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I also want to pray for Sister Christina yes. and Brother Taylor, Lord. I pray that you bless them, that you strengthen them. Yes, Lord, if there's any healing that needs to take place, yes, Lord, if there's a fresh anointing that you want to pour out to them, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you give it. For Martin and Laura, Lord, I pray that you bless them and guide them and keep them as well. Brother Sam and Sister Deborah, Sister Melissa, Lord, so many out there. I pray in Jesus' name that you strengthen them. Sister Tatiana, Brother Timotheus, who's planning on taking a big step with you. Brother Sal, Lord, let all these things be done, Lord, for you, Lord Jesus. Anoint the brethren, Lord, build us up, strengthen us, guide us and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, uh, seriously, Nina, hey, uh, uh, glad you were on tonight. Brother Sal, Sister Tatiana. Sister Teresa, uh, Brother Seth, uh, Brother Randy. Uh, man, there's quite a few people on tonight. Uh, let's see, Brother Martin was on tonight. And uh, Sister Laura, I believe. Brother Jeff, Brother Cord. Um, let's see, who else? Sister Naima, Sister Tara. Oh, man, Sister Latoya, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Sister Tanisha, thank you for being on tonight. Hope all is well. Coach P, I just want to say I love you all, guys. Don't forsake your prayer closets. Spend time with the Lord, and at least until next time, have a good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.